It's Friday night and the mood is right. Gonna have some fun, so you always sun. DGIF. Welcome to week 96 of the Two Guys in the Fridays podcast. My name is Steven. That over there is Travis. What's going on, Steve? Not much. And uh, we are here today to bring you exactly what happened back in 1991, 30 years ago. This would have been uh, TGIF shows that would have aired when, Travis? 30 years ago would have been July 17th, 1991. And we're going to talk about what happened that day. And we've got some bonus material. Yeah, a bonus interview at the end of the show. I mean, if you're reading like the show notes or the title of the show, you know that we have Barbara Gonzalez on. She's going to be on at the end of this episode. Jojo. Jojo from the Bells of Bleecker Street. Uh, cool story with her, too. So make sure you listen to it. I mean, I, I Amazing story. Yeah. Amazing story. Yeah. Her, she is somebody, and we talk about this a little bit, but like, you're looking at these people who are on these shows and you pull up, you know, the first thing anyone's going to do is pull up their IMDb and her IMDb page does not do her justice at all. Someone needs to get in there and do some heavy editing because she's got an amazing, <laughs> amazing career. Um, and her IMDb page does not reflect that. Yeah, definitely. So uh, before that, we're going to be talking about the pilot of the uh, TV show, Hi, Honey, I'm Home. Hi, Honey, I'm Home. Which, uh, when I Googled, the first thing that popped up was the five best and the five worst shows of TGIF history. And this was on the worst And this side. was on the best. This was on the, the worst. It's on the, the worst best. side. The worst. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get into that a little more once we get into the episode. But uh, before we even get into that... Uh, thanks to Pachuski for the theme song this week. Of course, thank you. And uh, what else? Follow us on all social media, TGIF Cast. Find us on YouTube, Two Guys in the Fridays. We'll have the video of this uh, interview that we do at the end of this episode, uh, probably up in a few days. And then uh, if you have emails to send us, like Pachuski did with that theme song, you can do that, TGIFCast at gmail.com. Send them our way. Send them away. Uh, looking back 30 years ago, what was going on in the news? Uh, not a whole lot, but it was a big week for Mike Tyson. Oh God, he got in a lot Better of trouble. He got in a lot of trouble this week. This is a best. This was the bad week for Mike. Tyson. This was the bad week for Mike Tyson. He met a bunch of uh, of women that were for like Miss Black America, and then some stuff happened, and then uh, he was accused of some stuff. I mean, you can look it up. I mean, we could we could say it was rape if you want. I mean, that's what he was sentenced for. <laughs> He went to jail for it. Went to jail. I think he was sentenced. He ended up, uh, I mean, we'll probably talk about it when the court case comes up, but I think he was sentenced to six years, served three, and uh, now he is a registered sex offender. I feel like he's changed his life. He's turned his life around a lot, though. I mean, maybe. I mean, he. Yeah. Uh, they said that he, like, found religion when he was in prison. Uh, he was in The Hangover, and uh, he had some more boxing fights. And then uh, I would say from what I have seen from Mike Tyson in the last 10 years is that he has a much better head on his shoulders now than he did back in the 90s. Yeah, let's hope for sure. I went to his first fight when he got out of jail. But Oh, that was the, the fight one the last... right after. Okay. Yeah, 89 seconds him and McNeely, I think was the guy's name. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I was there in Vegas. And then we saw the his end... uh panel for Mike Tyson's Mysteries too. We did. We did see him at New York Comic Con. Sitting about 6 feet away from him for 45 minutes. It was kind of terrifying. Was it? I thought so. I don't know. Mike Were Tyson... you more scared of him or the... more scared of him or the karate kid? More scared of Mike Tyson, for sure. <sighs> Okay. Uh, he's just a terrifying dude. He's huge. I mean, he's a big dude. And this was tattoos on the face time. So I don't know. He's a, he's a, he's a teddy bear. He, he was very funny and very lighthearted once, once he got going. But uh, he, he's definitely intimidating. He is. He is. I'll give you that. 
let's see what else. What was number one movie music for this week? No changes. Number okay. one movie is Terminator 2. Number one song. It is the last week. The number one song, Rush Rush, Paul Abdul. I'll be sad to see it go. I like that song. Uh, and then the there we do have one birthday. So Friday, if you're listening to this the day that it comes out, then uh, Friday the 16th is David Goals, who is the puppeteer who did the face. Uh, he actually did a couple things that you're going to be into, Steve. Okay. He did the face for Earl. So that's the big thing. Okay. He was also the puppeteer for the Grapplodite. Or Graptolite, one of the Graptolites. I said okay. it wrong again. We talked about the Graptolite. Graptolite. And then your favorite, he was the puppeteer for General Chow. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I thought you were going to awesome. say he was Cherry in uh, Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse, but. Uh, I mean, I was just looking at his dinosaur credits. This man is a. I'll take General Chow. Puppeteer. I mean, he's got a wide, wide uh, repertoire for, for puppeteer. Hold on. He did something for. Oh, he 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 was the puppeteer that did Gonzo, Bunsen, and Waldorf when they appeared on on uh, WWE on Raw. Uh, That's cool. Uh, let me see if he was if he did anything for Pee Wee. Uh, nothing. Nothing pops up. Yeah, it's all right. That's okay. Uh, that's done. Anything else before we get in the episodes? <laughs> No, let's do it. Let's talk about uh, Hi, Honey, I'm Home. So we both watched both the episode the episode one that aired on television, that aired on uh, TGIF this week. And then we went back and we also watched the pilot that I guess never aired except on Nickelodeon. Is that what happened? Yeah. So it's kind of weird. Um, so I don't even know if it actually aired originally on yeah, Nickelodeon. Yeah. But Nickelodeon had it. And what Nickelodeon did is in the late 90s, early 2000s, I'm not exactly sure when, they basically did kind of like a special where they showed episodes of shows that featured what are now celebrities um, back when they were younger kids or undiscovered. And in the original pilot of Hi, Honey, I'm Home, one of the characters is played by A.J. McLean from the Backstreet Boys. Uh, He's later replaced in in the actual like run of the show. But... So Nickelodeon played this episode, the episode of the original pilot that was shot, you know, 15 years after it was after it was shot, so they could show off this footage of AJ McLean. So McLean, co- McLean, a, I don't know how to say his name. A couple things. Uh, one, I noticed that at, in the credits it said the show was filmed at Nickelodeon Studios. Do you think that was just that episode or all of it? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I would think that that the whole thing because. That way you don't have to rebuild the set and it's all... Did the sets look pretty right. identical? I mean, I know the kitchen definitely yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. Both of them. The, the, sets, the sets definitely did. Okay. Um, do we... I, there's... The two uh, the two episodes, other than AJ, are pretty identical. There's some minor differences. Let's... Here's what... Let's do this. Let's just talk about what happens in the episode and then we can kind of go back. Or maybe as we're talking, we can like just hit highlight the... Yeah, I uh, think as we're talking, if you know changes. stuff, let's mention them then. Yeah. So... The episode starts off, um, they both started off actually a tiny bit different. One started off showing uh, Mike Duff first, and one started showing off the TV show that he was watching first. But what happens is uh, Mike Duff, he's the teenage boy of this family that lives uh, in this town. He's watching well, TV. Hold on, hold on. Wasn't this theme song? Didn't it start with the theme oh, song? Oh, yeah. We should probably start about that first. So Because that's important. Song, yeah. The theme song's a uh, good theme song. We've got them both to play for you here, but... Uh, like Travis pointed out to me, I had to go back and listen to it again. The words are different in both theme songs. Right. So the theme songs, the clearly written by this, well, I don't know, I'm going to say clearly written by the same guy, performed by the same guy, same melody, same tune, the whole thing. 
but the words are very different. The words in the pilot episode are a little bit more generic, kind of general to like classic television, blah, blah, blah. The words in the aired version of the first, the first episode, I'm gonna call it the first episode. Those sure. are much more specific to the actual plot of the show. And also the, the video that goes with the theme song is different in both the, the video yeah, for the yeah. pilot. It's kind of supposed to be like, I assume it's like them on the interstate moving to this new place. Yeah, it's just like cars driving around the whole time. Cars on the interstate. Yeah. And then the video for the, the, the aired version is very much like sitcom opening. Like here's the mom, here's the dad. It's got clips from different episodes. It looks like things like that. Right. Right. Now I have a theory on the songs. Okay. So I like the basic version of the song better. The one that's from the pilot with AJ on it. But I have a feeling that they said, this show's really confusing. If, if someone doesn't watch the first episode of this show, they're going to have no idea what's going on. So we need to describe exactly what this show is in the theme song. So if someone Every like, time. jumps in on episode three, they can listen to this theme song and they know what, what this show's about. That's fair. I, I didn't even... So I didn't think about it, but you're, I can completely see where you're coming from. I don't disagree with that at all. Okay. So let's play both of the theme songs just back to back right now and then... Back that, back. that way I, everyone can get an idea of what's going on. Mega mix. At the end of my day on the highway, never do I roam. What on earth is sweeter than to greet her? Hi, honey, I'm home. That was once our theme song and the dream song of a honeycomb. And the small fry fell out when I'd yell out, Hi, honey, I'm home. We were once a sitcom family on your black and white TV. Now we're off the air, been pulled from there and dropped into reality. Life was once much duller, they put color in our monochrome. Still she gabs all day and spends my money. I find the situation funny. Doesn't life seem so rerunny? Hi, honey, I'm home. Hi, honey, I'm home. At the end of my day, on the highway, never do I roam. What on earth is sweeter than to greet her? Hi, honey, I'm home. She's a busy bee now, lucky me now, life's a honeycomb. And our small fry fall out when I call out, Hi, honey, I'm home. There's a pot roast in the oven and a smile upon her face. If she's in a stew, she cries, oh, poo, but every strand of hair's in place. Life could be much duller, she's the color in my monochrome. Though she gabs all day and spends my money, I find the situation funny. Doesn't life seem so rerunny? Hi, honey, I'm home. Hi, honey, I'm home. So, yeah, like we said, we've got the the detailed version, we've got the basic version. Detailed version is on the one that ran on TV, basic version's on the AJ pilot. Right. And I'm just going to keep calling it the the AJ pilot. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, or pilot, whatever. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to do. AJ pilot, that's fine. All right, so we meet Mike Duff right off the beginning. He's uh, relaxed in a chair, he's got his feet up, he's watching this black and white television show which uh, we eventually find out is called Hi Honey I'm Home that's the name of the show that he's watching. And and this scene too was one of the one of the few differences between the two. The pan into the Duff's house because on the on the pilot the pan into the Duff's house shows their house like 
There's garbage all over their front yard, like oh, trash like the, bag, the, the like exterior of the house. Is that what you're talking about? Right. Yeah. Right. Whereas in the aired version, it's much more just like a normal house. Yeah, and I think but, the aired version too, it actually has a sign that says like the Duffs in their front yard or on the mailbox Correct. or yep. something like that. Yep. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we've got that going on. Um, He's watching Hi Honey, I'm Home. Yep, and at this point, too, his his mom, Elaine, comes in the door. Um, He kind of, like, is, like, blowing her off because he's watching TV. She, like, she wants him to pay attention and help with stuff. She's had a long day at work, and uh, she's just getting home, and she's got all this stuff to do because we kind of find out that she's a single mom, and she kind of has to do everything for these two kids. Right, she's got a job, two kids, uh, the whole deal. And and I think it's worth noting here that we've – Elaine is played by two different actresses in the between the pilot and the aired version. Yeah, and I thought like they're they're very similar the way they deliver lines and everything. Like it was almost like very are, is so. this the same person or is it not the same yeah. person? Yeah, it it did take a little bit of going back and forth to realize that they were different people. So we also find out that uh, Elaine has this petition. I don't think we know exactly what it's about at this point. Not but yet. Nope. She's got a petition. She needs to try to get neighbors to fill out. And uh, we also find out at this point that uh, Mike's favorite show that he's watching at this moment, Hi Honey, I ho- I'm Home, is getting canceled and uh, being replaced by Joni Loves Chachi. Yeah, and there's kind of some conversation here between Elaine and Mike where we find out that Hi Honey, I'm Home is not necessarily the most well-known classic television show. It's kind of more of got a cult following, and uh, I think that's why Mike likes it. Well, I think we really do. We also find out why Mike really likes it at this point, or is that later? Well, his, that's yeah. That's this is where his mom tells him why he really likes it. Because there's also a character on the show named uh, Babs, or which Elaine accidentally calls later Boobs uh, Nielsen, that uh, is the hot teenage girl in this uh, in this show. She's the daughter of the of the family, yeah, and yep. she's got. She she always, she wears those like '50s sweaters that show off your boobs. Yeah, and he comments on the sweaters throughout the entire episode, throughout the show. So we also run into uh, Malcolm here. His mom kind of just like bumps into him. Malcolm is the homeless guy that lives in the bushes of their yard. Also recast in the aired version. Uh, he just kind of shows up at the backyard. Um, mom's like, "Oh, it's just Malcolm again." They like this homeless guy that they know just shows up, and he get uh, she ends up just giving him some money saying go get some dinner and then he ends up leaving yeah and he is only in this episode which is weird because it seems oh, like really? they really had a play it seemed like he was gonna be more of a character but it doesn't appear that that's the case so both the pilot and the first episode same guy only Sa- no di- different same character different actor oh, same character only time. different actor but only in this right. episode okay correct that's really yep. weird um so yeah he's lives in the bushes mom gives money goes away and this is where we also learn about uh, the little brother of the family. His name is Sidney. He also goes by the name of Skunk. In the original pilot, is that is A.J. McLean. That's who is uh, this character. And then um, a new actor throughout the rest of the show. Correct. Yep. Yeah, the actor, Eric Kushnick, is the one that ends up taking over uh, for him. And I, I had a little place in my heart because Eric plays... Um, uh, Pitstain in, in Pete and Pete, which is one of my favorite shows. Okay. Yeah, I knew I recognized him. I was like, was he like a little kid in another show on TGIF? But that, yeah, that's where he was, he's from. He, Pitstain, and I think that was the name of the character in, in Pete and Pete. There was definitely a Pitstain in Pete and Pete. I don't know if that was him, but I know there was Yeah, yeah, that, that was him. Okay. I just couldn't remember if, it was, if that was exactly the name from the show. Yep. So, <laughs> Pitstain, uh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, from here, we also... Um, find out that he has a lamp in his hand. Apparently he likes stealing lamps. 
he's a thief. He's he's just a little troublemaker. Yeah, I mean he's like he looks nothing like the rest of the family. He's got like a leather jacket on and like uh did he have a mohawk? Dyed hair. Yeah, it's like a little yeah, so skunk mohawk. AJ AJ McLean had like the etched etched sides with with like a dyed blonde like uh-huh. streak and then the other one didn't have the etched but he had like kind of crazy more like punk style hair with uh with with white frosting. Yep. And now that Elaine's got both of her sons uh in the house together with her she says that they all need to go to this new neighbor's house that just moved in because she needs to try to get, uh, I guess, someone to sign their, the petition. Some more signatures for the position. And there's a, there's a pretty good joke here where she says, um, you know, it's a new neighborhood. We need to welcome it, especially because of how dangerous the neighborhood is. And uh, and Mike says, Mom, the, the only crime in this neighborhood is skunk. Yeah. <laughs> so then we go um, to the new neighbor's house. Uh, I guess they said next door. I don't know, but... Uh, they look very familiar right away to uh, the watching audience. Um, the way they're dressed is different, and it does appear that for some reason this might be the people from the TV show that Mike was just watching. Right. And they go by the last name of the Nielsens, which, of course, is a play on the Nielsens ratings. Um, but, yes, we, have, we are now introduced to, to the Nielsens, and specifically to Honey, who is the wife. Yep. Um, so Elaine is trying to get uh, Honey to sign this petition. This is where we find out that is a – petition for women's right to choose and this is where we kind of get the whole at least for this episode the theme of what's going to be going on with honey and her relationship with her husband and then also how elaine feels with a about a husband wife relationship and roles of a family inside of uh, her house yeah, basically what we find out is that the Nielsen's are, I mean, they are straight out of the sitcom, right? So they are very, I'm going to say traditional, where the, the woman's place is in the kitchen and taking care of the home. The man's place is going to work and and the woman is expected to be subservient to the man. And that is the role that Honey plays throughout this episode. Um, I will I will say one of the one of the differences is that in the pilot, Honey is much less uh, stylized, where in the in the actual air, her hair is done differently. So it's very it's much more like like groomed, and her outfit is is a little bit more kind of on point for the style, as opposed to being a little bit more just put together, like it was in the pilot. Um, also, Honey talks about how like a man is needed, and like all, everything that a husband does for a wife, and how important it is for a wife to have a husband. And Elaine's kind of saying how, like, she doesn't need a husband. She She's doing just fine on her own. And uh, uh, Honey's kind of, like, showing the whole idea of, like, men being superior. And then this is also where we get the little joke of uh, Honey saying that she has mastered the three C's, which are cooking, cleaning, and kids. So here's the thing. Like, I get the joke is that kids doesn't start with a C, but... Couldn't you just say like children and make it make sense as opposed to going with kids and trying to force the joke that really isn't that funny to begin with? It almost like, seemed like maybe she was going to say a different word for the final C and then changed it at the end. To kids. I just feel like you could have said children and it would have worked and gotten the exact same reaction as saying yeah, kid. That, yeah. that is kind of awkward. Um, so Elaine ends up... Uh, does she get in, they get invited to uh, a dinner or something, right? At this point, well, there's a, what we what we know from the beginning, and this is kind of a transition from the show because this was in the show that Mike was watching at the beginning of the episode, where there's a gypsy goulash uh-huh. that is going on, like at, in the church guess, parking lot, right? And so she invites Elaine to this to this goulash. So Mike's like, 
just go. You should go to this. I mean, you don't have to cook dinner. And she's like, all right, I'll go set the alarm. So she runs back to her house. Mike is now left well, alone. One thing before that happens is that Babs at this point has come downstairs. Oh, okay. So Babs, Babs is there, the daughter. She is played by Julie Benz, who all of us know from, um, I think most of us know at least from Dexter. Dexter, Buffy, her, one of those two. Yeah. Jawbreaker. And, right. And then um, the son has also come home. And there's kind of a good scene with the son where the son comes in, Chucky, uh, he's played by Danny Gora, who is, who is, I think some people might know from uh, Superstore. Superstore. Yeah, yeah, Superstore. Uh, and he's got a, like a Boy Scout outfit on. He's looking for his ant farm. And behind behind uh, Chucky comes, Skunk comes in. And Skunk says, give me five. And Chucky hands him $5. And now they're best friends. Yeah, and also uh, we've gotten like little hints through this scene that Mike is kind of recognizing these people in this house. Yeah. Like, he thinks he knows who Honey is. He thinks now for sure after Babs has come down that he knows who Babs is. So once his mom goes back home and he's left alone, he tries to call them out for this. Yeah. And Babs, another another difference between the outfits, I, this is just was funny to me, is that Babs in the original, in the pilot, she is wearing one of those kind of like 50s pink wool sweaters that covers up everything. Whereas in the aired version, they put her in more of the like kind of 50s i'm gonna say like greaser style where it's like total cleavage out and like her boobs are much more exposed which i thought was a funny decision to to go from one extreme to the other uh between the two episodes yep so um after he calls them out um they kind of like say oh no we're not those people you don't i i have no idea what you're talking about and eventually they're able to get mike back out of the house at this point i don't remember what they told him but he ends up leaving yeah they kind of just rush him out like like Babs opens the door behind him and, and honey kind of just like pushes him out, pushes him towards the door. Yeah. So as he leaves, um, that's when the father of the Nielsen's gets home, right? Yes. So, and that is Lloyd Lloyd, uh, Nielsen. He comes home. Um, we find out it was his first day in the city working cause they just moved in and he comes in, like, looks like he was just like in a windstorm in a hurricane. Yeah, yeah. All disheveled. Can't handle it. Um, he's telling them about how hard their day was and how crazy the city was and getting mugged from an old lady as he helped her cross the street. And uh, he's just looking for uh, the Mrs. Honey to um, have done everything in the house while he was gone at work, pretty much. Exactly. So this, I think, is also where we find out about this remote, I think. Yeah, because he's like, he's saying all this stuff and then she picks up this like remote control, hits the button, and then that's when the TV goes to the whole show goes to black and white right and everything and and this is all like attitude changes he's happy it's kind of a, a complete switch to back to what they're used to yeah we kind of learn a little bit more about the remote in a little bit but uh that's all we kind of know now that you push the button it goes from color to black and white or back and forth and that everyone like their mood changes i guess exactly so while it's in black and white mike comes back over she quickly turns it back to color and Mike came back to call the entire family out and says he knows where he knows them. They are from Hi, Honey, I'm Home. And he has figured them out. And I think what's important to note here is that Mike is in color the entire time. So what you're seeing is a black and white picture of the family and the inside of the house, but the outside of the house through the door with Mike in it are still in color. So then she switches to color and everything turns to color. So uh, Lloyd and Babs end up leaving the room for something, and we ha we j have just Mike and Honey now alone in the living room talking about what's going on. Right. Um, she confesses. She says that they are uh, the family from Hi, Honey, I'm Home, 
And what's going on is the SRP, which is the Sitcom Relocation something program. Program. What they do, which is, reminded me of of Loki. If, I don't know if you're watching Loki or not, but reminded me of Loki. Telling you, someone in Marvel or Disney watching the show, probably. So, um, what happens is when a sitcom on TV is canceled, there is this program that relocates the families, puts them in different towns. So hopefully they can like uh, live their life unnoticed and then eventually hopefully come back to TV at some other point. Is that right? Basically right? a place for them to hang out until until they're ready for reruns. Oh, is that what it is for reruns? That's what I assumed. Yeah, reruns. Okay. So Because they were on reruns obviously when Mike was watching them and now they're back into the into the real world. Um so. she also asks please keep it a secret. They need they can't let anyone else know. That was loud. They can't let anyone else know that uh, they are this family from TV. They have to kind of remain in secret in this house. And uh, she also tells them about this special device, which is the remote control that we saw from earlier that changes them from black to white, black and white into color. And then also um, they were given a modern life user's manual, which will help them with all of the terms and things going on. Uh, now, I guess, in the 90s compared to when they were on TV. Right, and the remote is called the Turnerizer, and that's supposed to be okay. the joke where Ted Turner would, you know, was was notorious for taking black and white movies and colorizing them to oh, show on okay. like, TNT and TBS and whatnot. That makes sense. Um, yep. So Elaine comes back over to the house at this point, too, uh, the mom of the other family, and she's got... There's a bunch more of, like, the comments with, like, I guess... Doesn't uh, Lloyd come back in the room at this point too? I think. Well, I think towards when, the end, I yeah. Think when, Elaine's in there, just kind of. She's doing the whole like, "I'm a working woman." That's the whole like give and pull with Elaine and Honey right now. It's just like, "I'm a housewife. I'm a working woman." Blah blah blah. You know. And then after like this, then Lloyd comes back in and he kind of gives his whole opinion on like the woman's role in the house, and uh, Elaine is not liking it at all. Right, and then he, we and part of that is we find out that Lloyd says, "Well, my boss is coming to dinner, so we can't go to the goulash, um, and you've got to make dinner now for my boss, who will be here any minute." Yeah, and Elaine just wants uh, Honey to kind of step up for herself, like um, let right. Lloyd know that this is how she feels and she shouldn't be doing everything. Exactly. So um, Elaine says that women need to stick together. Miss um, Nielsen continues to be submissive to uh, Lloyd, and the two of them end up uh, going into the kitchen to, I guess, make dinner, right? Yeah, they're going to make dinner together. So Elaine uh, tries to tell Miss Nielsen um, how the real world is, like uh, how things are, how people are doing certain things, and she's just not understanding it because she lives in this other world pretty much. And uh, she sends Mike back to the house to get uh, all of the instant dinner type stuff to uh, help her quickly make a meal for dinner. Right. And I think it's important to keep in mind that Mike is the only one that knows who the Nielsen's are at this point. Oh, yeah, true. That is a good point. Um, so I don't remember much of the conversation that uh, they had while he goes and gets the food from their house. Was there anything important? Well, really? see, there's one little there's one little joke in here where um, Elaine is asking kind of like, does honey ever wish her life had been different? Did she ever wish, was there anybody else she was ever in love with that she wished she had married? And she doesn't says that she wished she had married Jim Anderson, which is a, a joke. He was the, that was the character of the father on father knows best. And Elaine kind of has this look like on her face, like Jim Anderson, like she kind of starts to catch on a little bit that that is an oh, okay. unusual answer. Yeah. I didn't even catch that. Um, um 
So but yeah, so then then Mike comes back. Mike in comes back. The three of them are in the kitchen. Uh, Mike and Elaine go into the other room to start setting the table, and they give the food to uh, Miss Nielsen, who is now in the kitchen and getting ready to cook all this stuff that she has no idea what it is because she's never seen it before. Right. So she takes like there's instant pot roast, which I'm not even really sure what that is, but it's in a box, and she just throws it in the oven, still in the box. Yeah, I there's mean, instant, I would imagine it's just like one of those like bag like a TV type dinner meals. Style it's got yeah. some frozen meat and vegetables, and you would just microwave it up. That makes sense. And then she has uh, instant potatoes, and she follows the directions at first and puts one scoop in the pot, and she's like, "There's no way that's enough." So she dumps the whole box into the pot, uh, and then there was instant pudding that she it said ready already to, ready to prepared. serve. Right, but she thinks it needs to be mixed still, so she puts it in the blender, and in the pilot, it like shoots up like a like, like a stream, a, just like a fountain, straight up like a squirt gun yeah. almost. And in the in the air version, it just like overflows on the sides of the. Uh, Which effect did you like better? Uh, I like the shooting up. I thought it was fun. I like the other one better. I thought it was yeah. more like the other one, like the shooting up, just kind of ended kind of quick, and like she didn't have a whole lot to cover from her husband when he walks in. But the other That's one fair. just like overflows and it's all over the table, kind of thing. Maybe that's why they they changed it. Is they did the the first one and they were hoping that it would maybe like hit the ceiling or something to cause uh-huh. more of a mess, and it didn't. So they're like, let's just keep it like let's keep it simple the second time around. So yeah, putting everywhere. She's trying to hide it from her husband, and uh, he. I think he tells her like the boss will be over soon or something like that. So any hurry, minute now, hurry up. <laughs> so yeah. after this, um, we see well, the, Malcolm. Yeah, Go ahead, I'm sorry. We see at the back door. Um, Malcolm has shown up, who we know, but uh, Honey does not know. Honey right. looks over and thinks that uh, Malcolm is her husband's boss, even though he obviously looks like a homeless man. He's kind of all over the place. Well, he was digging through their trash, too. Digging through their trash. And uh, he's at the back door. Miss Nielsen thinks, like I said, it's the boss. And Elaine um, comes in to explain who Malcolm is and then explain uh, homelessness to uh, Honey as well, who has no idea that people actually live on the streets because everything in her world is perfect. Yeah, she's a, she's taken aback that that's even a thing. There's even a, you know, there's a world where that would even exist. Yeah, and this is also the moment where there's like the first real connection between um, Honey and Elaine because Miss Nielsen invites um, Malcolm over for dinner and this was, I guess, kind of amazing to Elaine. She had never even invited him in the house. Um, right. She had given him money before, but the thoughtfulness of Miss Nielsen doing this for Malcolm, uh, I think, really meant a lot and showed Elaine uh, that uh, Honey has a lot more to her. Yeah, they de- definitely connected with her. Um, so, yeah, they're starting to like each other, it seems like, or at least Elaine is starting to like Miss Nielsen. Uh, we hear the doorbell. They think it's Lloyd's boss. It turns out just to be Skunk and Chucky. They have stolen with the stolen lamp. <laughs> yeah, they've stolen another lamp, which uh, I think it's the same lamp. I think it's the same lamp, but Skunk has given it to Chucky as a gift. Um, Skunk told Chucky that it fell off a truck, and uh, Honey's excited that there's no scratches on it, even if it did fall off a truck. And uh, now there's a disaster going on in the kitchen at the same time. Every single thing that could possibly go wrong is going wrong. Yep, everything's burning. Um, the pot roast is ruined. The potatoes are overflowing everywhere. Um, and Honey just starts melting down. She says, I think I could cry, and I even am going to cry or something, and then starts crying about the whole thing. Yeah, and she's like, I want to go back to <laughs> I want to go back to sitcom life. So um, Mike comes in. He's in. I think it's just the two of them in the kitchen at this point. It is, yeah, just two of them. Mike and Elaine. 
he says, you saved my day every one of those episodes when I was watching you. So now it is my turn to save yours. He picks up the phone and he orders, uh, was it Lickety Split or what was the chicken place called? Chicken Licking? Chicken Licking. Finger Finger Licking? Finger Licking? Uh, Because there's a joke after that too. But he orders some, uh, some delivery fried chicken to the house. And then she says something like, is it finger licking good or something like that? And then I don't know. I don't know. But uh, she's still freaking out about the whole thing. And Mike tells uh, Honey that uh, they have the family that uh, he has always wanted. And uh, it makes uh, Honey feel really good to be appreciated. Well, what he does too here, because she's she's just talking about how she's not doing well in this new life. And he talks he tells her about how when he was watching hi honey i'm home on tv that they're the things that happened in that show are what helped get him through like hard times in his life mm-hmm. and that he would look to that show for comfort and for direction and that that what she has done on that show has meant a lot to, to him yeah and i think there's the parallel in real life where i think a lot of people do that with sitcoms they they see sure. these lessons sure. that are being learned and uh it's something that they can parallel to their own life and then it it helps them out absolutely absolutely so um and then at this point, too, I think uh, maybe Lloyd calls him in the other room because his boss has arrived, right? Yes. Um, and then they meet his boss, uh, Mr. Mooney, who some people are probably familiar with. Uh, the actor is Gail Gordon, and uh, he was on, like, the Lucy shows. Uh, he played, was it her husband's boss? Right, yeah, he played, her exactly, Theodore Mooney, who was his hus- her husband's boss uh, on the show. He was also Mr. Wilson in the Dennis the Menace show, which I thought was fun. Oh, nice. Um, so I don't have a whole lot of, and that's, and that's, and that's a thing too. That's a, that's a, that's going to be a theme throughout the show is that every episode has a actual famous classic sitcom star that comes in, um, as part of the show. So he's the special guest for this episode. Correct. Yeah. So I don't remember how much of a conversation happened right here before it goes like to the final, like last scene of the episode where it kind not of- a lot. He basically says, thanks for having me over. I'm excited to be here. And I think then- he drops a couple of like his famous lines from Lucy and stuff. here. Right. Too. Yeah, exactly. And the, I will tell you this, the reveal in the aired version is way better than the reveal in the pilot. The pilot, she kind of walks into the den, the den and he's just standing there and you see him fairly immediately <laughs> in the, in the aired version, he's got his back to the camera and he does a real good, like Zoolander. slow turn reveal. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a way better reveal in the in the aired version than in the pilot. So then it's like kind of like the last scene of the show here, and it's different. I don't know if it's different because the way they aired the episode or not, but uh, on the AJ pilot, it's kind of like the credits are rolling, and then we kind of have like a conversation going at the dinner table. And then on the actual episode, it's like the credits are kind of after this dinner conversation. So it seemed a little different, but it might have just been the way they aired it as like this 90s flashback type thing. Well, no, because I think that I think that that's how it was originally shot. Because they they're talking, they're doing a voiceover. Like Nickelodeon is doing a voiceover for the next show while they're talking. So obviously, they didn't make any like considerations for yeah, what was yeah. going on in the TV. Um, the difference, the big difference is that there's kind of small conversations going on around the table in the pilot, whereas in the in the aired version, it's all one conversation, and that's basically thanks for coming over, Mister Mooney. How about that promotion for for Lloyd? And he says, Oh, I came over to tell you. There's no promotion. In fact, we're shutting down the plan and everyone's losing their job. Yeah. So I, I assume that's going to be part of the story moving forward is that now Lloyd is unemployed uh, and and him and Honey have to figure out kind of what the situation is moving forward. Yeah, I could be wrong too. I think the camera work was a little different on the two too. I think there was like this uh, yeah, it was. rotating it was, yeah. camera that like mm-hmm. kind of spun around on the original version, which I mean, I kind of, yep. like, I liked both, so it doesn't really matter. 
They were different. I mean, yeah, they both had their their they were both fine. And then after finding out about uh, Lloyd losing his job, Mrs. Nielsen, honey, she kind of says what seems like to be her catchphrase, where she just says, "Oh, poo," and that that was kind of the end of the episode. That was it. And then also, just to add too, on the end of the uh, TGIF episode, not the pilot one, the episode one, there's kind of like a closing theme song too, which is different than the intro theme song. Okay, I didn't catch that. So I'm going to play that right now too. Almost like a like a dance version or something like that. Oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that I hear it, I do remember it. Yep, for sure. So yeah, so that's Hi Honey, I'm Home, and I'm a little disappointed with that list of like the best five and worst five because I enjoyed it. I think it's got a lot of potential. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see where it goes. I do agree with your kind of initial assessment that it might be a little confusing at first if for you people, don't catch the first episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to give some context, so this this show aired for two seasons, and they were both short seasons. One was, I think, six episodes, and one was eight episodes. Um, and it was kind of unique because what would it? The first episode was on TGIF. The second episode was only on Nickelodeon. But the way the first season worked is that it would air on TGIF on Friday nights, uh, and then it would rerun immediately that that following Sunday on Nickelodeon during Nick at Night. So it came on twice a week. Um, on ABC and then on, on Nickelodeon. So episode I think two does pretty- not air on TGIF? No, episode two. The whole first season, one, two, three, four, five, six, was all on TGIF. Oh. But it also replayed that. It only aired on Nickelodeon. No, you, meant, you meant season two. Season two. Oh, I apologize. Okay, okay. Yes. Season two only aired on Nickelodeon. Season one, ABC and Nickelodeon. And it, okay. like I said, it would play Friday, rerun that, that Sunday. Uh, so twice in the same weekend. Uh, which is pretty unique. But yeah, that's, and also that's what like what I call with those credits, like I said earlier, how it was like filmed in Nickelodeon Studios or whatever. Like I wonder if that yeah. was the original plan for the show, like to only run on Nickelodeon, and then like yeah, I don't maybe know. they needed some extra summer fillers or something, and just decided to throw it in there as well. Yeah, it it is a little bit strange because I don't think ABC and Nickelodeon really had much of a relationship, a business relationship at least at the time. So. I don't know, but uh, but that's what they did, and so we get to watch it during TGIF. I'm excited. I I'm a, I've I said that a billion times. I'm a sucker for guest stars and gimmicks like yeah. that, so I'm excited to see who comes in each episode and how that plays out. Yeah, but, and I'm just excited for new shows that I've never seen before too. So I mean, this is yeah, all a hundred percent new to me. Never did I watch it when it first came on. Yeah, it's cool. It's fun. It's a good. It's fun. Cool. So what do we have coming up next week on the show, Travis? Well, let's talk about what we have on the rest of this show. Oh, first, that's still coming we can up. Talk about isn't next it? week. Yeah, we've got we got our interview. I'm super excited about. So uh, if you caught our episode a couple weeks ago, we watched the uh, one and only episode of The Bells of Bleecker Street uh, about two girls, uh, Lindsay and Jojo. And uh, today for you, we were able to speak to uh, Barbara Gonzalez, who played Jojo on the show. And uh, this is our interview with her now. So I have a question before you ask me anything. Yeah, okay. go for it. How are you guys? How did you guys uh, happen to uh, watch Bells of Bleecker Street? So we 
have a guy we know well we found this guy online who basically is a, a co- collection of tv shows that were taken off of vhs tapes decades ago and he had bells of bleaker street and now we have bells of bleaker street and we watch bells of bleaker street <laughs> do you and know if you don't if you don't have a copy i'm happy to sh- i'm happy to share it with you so oh that's so cool so cool do you know have- do you know why we watched it no so yeah, so this podcast that we're doing, um, we started it almost a year ago now. Like we're almost to the to the fifty set. What are we at? Like nine? No, two years. Two, two years. years ago. Oh, I can't even keep. We're I, COVID um, year just kind of didn't happen, kind of. But uh, yeah, it happened. <laughs> two years ago, we decided to start this podcast where the whole idea is we go and we watch every single episode of TGIF. Whatever happened to air that night oh. is what we watched. And uh, we've been doing it for 98 oh. weeks or something like that. Almost two years. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, and Bells of Bleecker Street had its 30th anniversary two weeks ago, three yeah. weeks ago. So yeah. it was exactly 30 years after that aired originally. We watched it and then uh, we found you and uh, you were gracious enough to come on the, the show with us. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me. And um, I think the whole concept of your podcast is fantastic. Thank yeah. you. Give, because people give... think that it's all like the up and coming, what's new. There's a lot of, there are a lot of great shows and, and so many things to keep up with, but there have been some real jewels, um, you know, created all the way from black and white era <laughs> to now and, um, and throughout. And it's nice that somebody's paying attention to that. Thanks. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. So with this show, I mean, obviously 30 years ago, I don't know how much you remember, but um, was this like your first kind of dig into acting? Like I didn't see a whole lot before this. Were you doing things in like school and stuff or how, how did you actually get this role? Oh man. Oh man. All right. So I, at the time I was 15. Uh-huh. I was a freshman. Um, I was a freshman or no, I was a sophomore, just starting as a sophomore at the uh, LaGuardia High School for Performing Arts okay. where I in New York. Um, and I had had my first born son a few weeks prior to the casting. Oh, wow. So I was a teen mom uh, at 15. I had my first son, Elijah. And um, one of my teachers, who's, who's a fairly renowned actor, uh, James Moody, at in my theater department had told me about this audition. Uh, we were doing school performances and I had been contacted by uh, an agent who's still my friend and dear agent, uh, Cynthia Katz. She was with one agency at the time and now she's with a creative artist. And um, she came to see me in a show and reached out to me amongst a few other folks and she was just so friendly and nice. I knew nothing about the acting world yeah. outside of school. I had performed. <laughs> I was a dancer. I was a ballet dancer for you know oh, wow. most of my childhood, um, and I just loved dancing. And so she came to see me, and then I got all like this flurry of calls from agents. And my parents were, you know, they're immigrants. Um, they didn't understand anything about this at all. So they would just say, no, you talk to them. Just <laughs> what, is what they want. And so Cynthia was so friendly that out of the folks who contacted me, I, I agreed to go and see her with my mom. And then she says, oh, you know, we have this audition. We think you'd be really great for it. Would you go? It was literally, um, I had met her like within 
three weeks of the casting. And she sent me out. Um, I met Eve Branstein, who was one of the co-writers and co-producers of the show, uh, who later became my manager after the after Bells for a, a short time. And I went and they booked me. And I, it, it was my first anything. And it was amazing. It was the best experience, the best uh, script. The people were amazing. Um, I felt really blessed. Yeah, like as a 15-year-old girl, like, the idea of filming this pilot and like not knowing where it was going to go. I mean, that had to have been like, just, I can't even think of like what it would feel like, like being, like you said, a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, because I was also a single mom yeah. um, at the time, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life uh, and really working hard mentally, emotionally, spiritually to not like not given to the stereotypes. And so I didn't want to drop out of school because going to LaGuardia was my dream. I did know that I wanted to be a performer. It was between like, I always wanted to do that and then get a PhD because I'm also a writer. And so I was like, how am I going to do this? You know, I have a child and I was managing school and looking for part-time work and all of that. Um, And then I got the pilot and it was, they paid me $15,000 and I took that money and I got an apartment and I paid my rent for a year. Wow. It was amazing. That's incredible. Were you, I mean, at that age, you were kind of the, the market for what TGIF was doing and kind of what that, what that show was aimed to. Did you have any kind of idea that it was going to be even included on TGIF or that it, or what you were kind of getting yourself into as far as what that meant? Not at all. Not yeah. at all. I really didn't. I just, um, the concept of flying to another state to perform, to act, because I was a, a student. Um, I remember Eve was amazing. She let me stay at her home. Uh, Cynthia went out with me and stayed there for two weeks or so because my parents couldn't not, not go to work. Mm-hmm. And I was a minor and we didn't have anybody to go with me. So I, you know, they were just awesome. And so I went there, I had a tutor on set. Um, everybody was awesome. I met the the Baldwin, some of the Baldwin right. brothers. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, which was was awesome. And um, now you say plural, did you get the, did Steven show up with, with one of the other ones or was it yeah, just? Well, there were two of them um, who showed up and then later on, they were friends with some of the producers and even stuff. Okay. So we, whenever they got together in New York, sometimes I'd get invited. So it's really oh, wow. just an amazing experience. That's incredible. Did you, did you get to watch it on TV when it aired? Were you, did you know that it was coming on and get a chance to actually sit down and watch it I on TV? I get to see it on TV. I got to see it at a private like mm-hmm. screening uh-huh. and um, it was so surreal. <laughs> So I've got I've got an, a question about 1991 because Travis and I were unsure about this when we watched the episode. Did girls really like Stephen Baldwin in 1991? Well, like was he a heart a, a teen heartthrob back then? So, so here's the interesting thing, right? <laughs> no, e- no easy answer for that. <laughs> no, no, right, right, and 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 this is why it's not an easy answer. I would say on one end, absolutely, like Melissa. Uh, Clayton, my co-star in the show, and some of her friends and sisters, like they knew, they knew who yeah. he was, and they were all into him. I did not know who he was, unfortunately, <laughs> but it was because 
you know, I, I coming from a Latino home, even though I, I grew up in a Jewish family in Washington Heights, I mean, Jewish neighborhood in Washington Heights, that was a just starting to get more desegregated uh -huh. because my dad was a super. So the, the whole script was so parallel to yeah. my life. Except the fact that I had a baby, right? I was a 15-year-old. That was school. episode four or five. It just never happened, right? It didn't. <laughs> they, they don't know what they missed out on. But um, because it turned out to be such a great, you know, my, my life turned out pretty great with my son and, and my family. Um, but so I didn't know about the Baldwin brothers. <laughs> and so that didn't just open up a world of acting and professional acting to me. But it like opened my eyes to the fact that they're, were all of these different like pop cultures and subcultures going on at the same time yeah. with other girls my age from different cultures and that we all had like our different idols and icons even though i loved like billy idol and john bon jovi <laughs> I, I grew up with that so i you know it was it was fantastic yeah and i mean like you're saying like the parallels i mean that's just like the story of the show i mean Lindsay and jojo two different girls like kind of coming together having different likes and then becoming friends i mean it sounds like that's exactly what you were going through it, it was. And I thought that Anne Beats and Eve Branstein, um, the producers and co-writers, they were, I feel like they were just visionaries way, who could see things way ahead of it, their time or whatever was happening at the time. It really does lay the groundwork for a lot of the shows that we see, like in the future on TGIF, that kind of buddy-buddy relationship you see in, in Sean and Corey and Boy Meets World and then kind of the same thing in Sister, Sister. But yeah, I mean, it definitely was the the kind of TGIF show that became super popular later on in its in its run. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they really they they hit they were culturally sensitive in in ways that they didn't even realize they were being at the time. Um, from everything from the character the characters like my mom and my dad um, and Lindsay's parents and and how they interacted and. Um, it, it was just, uh, it, it was really on on point, and and it's a shame. I always thought, you know, in retrospect, that it got it didn't get picked up. Um, but I, looking at everything that's been happening in our world in the past decade, um, and more recently, you know, sometimes the artists are way ahead <laughs> of yeah, their sure. times, and and art reflects, you know, either where we are, where we're going, or where we should be going sometimes. Do you remember, like, as a 15-year-old girl, what it was like, like, the anticipation of, like, is this show going to happen? Like, were you thinking, like, oh, man, I'm going to be a superstar. Like, this is going to be the biggest thing. I'm going to do a whole – I'm going to do multiple seasons of the show. And then, like, the letdown, like, is was that there? Or what were you thinking? Um, yes and no. Uh-huh. So I, I love people. I love performing. But I am – a natural introvert you know some people don't believe that unless like i can do the one-on-one -on -one or small yeah. groups with me and big crowds it's like ah and i love theater because the lights are so strong you can't see who's in front of you so that they wouldn't make me so nervous but on the sets eve and cynthia from the very beginning and that was one of the things i i've always loved about cynthia is that she would tell me from the get she would say these are the possibilities okay i you know i don't I want you to be excited, but I don't want you to get your hopes so high because this is what can happen in the business. And they would lay it all out for me. Um, so because that was my first experience, I didn't have anything 
longer to compare it to. Yeah. Um, I wanted it to continue, obviously, because sure. wow, I just that would have been that would have solved so many, you know, challenges that I was facing at the time and so many questions. But I was also like, okay, well, if I do this, I was thinking about how am I going to finish, you know, school in, in like my dream school, and how am I going to manage that with taking care of my baby, um, and and while I saw all the financial opportunities that it would offer and the stability, I was happy about that. But those were some real, um, I guess, some questions that I had because while I was in California filming this and in the post, there were a lot of events that I had to attend. And um, they were all celebratory in nature and people getting to know me and and all of that. Uh, Cynthia and Eve were great with setting those things up for me, but it was shell shock for me. So sure. it was like, oh, wow, you know, this is what my everyday is going to be. And then people would start, like, go, when I would go into studios, I'm like, how does this even happen? Like, people would start coming to the limousines at that time and pounding on the windows. And then I started getting, like, like fans. And I was like, how is this even possible? <laughs> like, I just did a pilot. Like, what's going on? So, so I, was, I never was into it for the fame, I should say. That's not why I got into acting. So, you know, I wasn't too disappointed that it didn't go through for that reason. I just thought it was a great story and that more people um, should know about different families and diverse uh, families and neighborhoods. Absolutely. Well, go ahead, Steve. No, you're good. I was saying it wasn't the only thing you've done. You've got, I mean, I'm looking at IMDb, so that's all I got to go on. But you got, you did a few other things in the 90s. And then uh, and it looks like you had a, a, a production credit, too, for a short that you did maybe 10, 10 years or so ago. Yeah. So what I, were those projects like? Um, so right after Bells, or shortly after, within, I would say, six months, I was booked uh, as, a, as a, like an ongoing character on the soap opera uh, As the World Turns. Oh, okay. So I did that for about a year, and that was really nice playing this character called Inez Tariche. And eventually, uh, when I was written off, it was because I had decided my character in the in the soap had decided to go back to her native country to open up um, to study to be a doctor and and to help orphans. You know, which is so like me that that would be <laughs> something I would totally want to do. Um, so I did that. I did some music videos like David Bowie, a uh, David Bowie video uh, with my son. So that was really awesome. That's cool. um, I did Sesame Street, Law and Order. Like I did all of these different um, projects and I loved it. I did a little bit of theater. Um, and then I did an independent movie called Lotto Land. And I was 19 at that point. Um, but I was at that point, I was a student at NYU. So I graduated at the top of my class from LaGuardia with the scholarships. And I went to NYU for theater. And at the time, they had us taking 17 credits per semester, including production. So normally wow. people will take 12 to 15. We had 17. Right. And they were not very flexible with like missing <laughs> classes yeah. or anything. They're like, if you're going to do school, you're going to do school. If you're going to work, you're going to work. And in my circumstance, I had to do both. So um, I, I stayed there for almost two years. And I kept saying, Cynthia, would, they would keep calling me. All these different folks are calling me with job um, auditions and offerings. And I had to a lot of times say no. And then Cynthia was like, OK, Barb, 
Because, you know, she was like, I get it, you know, education is really important to you. And it was because I was, I was going to be the first person in my family to graduate from college. Um, I'm a first generation American born. So that was really important to me. And she said, Barb, we got to talk because I have all these casting directors and all these people calling and you're doing a great job. But, you know, we can only say no so many times. I'm getting, you know, they're chewing my head off over here. She's like, why don't you think about, you know, if you want to do this, did you want to take a year or two off to finish school? Um, so then you can just focus on this like full time. And and I thought about it. Um, she goes, because you've been working so hard and I know school's important, but if you want to work, there's a lot of work being offered and you just, you can't keep saying no, because then they're not going to call you anymore at some point. So I decided that I wanted to finish school. And then I went to, I moved to Florida temporarily. I went to FAU to finish out there um, because even while I was here, I was still getting calls. So I also had an agent for a uh, voice talent. So I did some voice work and commercial work. So I was just like, let me just, I need a break. It was really overwhelming, you know, but um, so that's what I did. I went, finished school, then I moved back to the city and pursued, you know, work, different work opportunities. I've got a, I've got a Bell's specific question for you. Um, I hope there's a story behind this. There might not be, but explain, <laughs> explain tips to me. Oh, t- <laughs> so, Melissa and I like made it our own, uh, Eve and, and, and the co-writers, they said, well, just do something like create your own thing. Yeah. That would be a besties kind of thing. And so we were on the show, you know, we were practicing doing different things backstage of like, what would we do with our friends if we got really excited? So what she would do and what I would do were actually kind of different things. Uh And so one day we were like, okay, oh, we're going to like, you know, be great. (laughs) And we were like, hey, that could be our thing. That could be our tips. And then we did it. Steve loves the tips. I love Steve the tips. Steve is all about the tips. Like I can tell you all three times it happened in the episode, but uh, I was just hoping that there was like a tip shirt or something made eventually that I could just, it's the two of you, it just says tips across the top, but I guess it never, got, I, it might, never got made. People might misread that though, Steven. Oh yeah, that's probably a good idea. Maybe put the words down at the bottom or something like that. <laughs> I think it's on you to make that shirt now, Steve. I think that that's yeah? a responsibility. Okay. I don't think you're going to have any issues with people with copyright, so I, I say go for it. All right, I'm going to wear it to the live show. That's what I'll do. To the live show. There you go. <laughs> So what what what's going on now? Are you are you still do you still see acting? Are are you still doing acting now, or is it kind of something that isn't in the past? So um, I definitely see it as part of my future. Um, Since that time, I you know I got married. I have three boys. So my firstborn is going to be thirty three now in August. Uh, My middle son is nineteen, and my youngest is about to turn eight. So um, aside from education, I always I've I always felt and I continue to feel like my number one calling in life was to be a mom. Yeah, because I love children and I love like my favorite thing in the world is being a mom. Um, And with my first two, I did work. 
in the acting and I was traveling while I was working other jobs. I was working like seven days a week trying to uh, hold on to my craft, my passion for my craft while still making a living to support my my kid and my child. Um, and I opened up, I became an executive director of an international business organization at some oh. point. Um, and then I also worked for an international research firm because I do speak Spanish, fluent Spanish and English and then and conversational French. I used to speak it a lot more when I was younger um, because it interested me as part of uh, the work that I was doing. And then I started writing more for like the newspapers and television shows and people would, uh, through NBC, they were exploring how to diversify their, um, you know, their programming mm -hmm. in the early, in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And some opportunities came my way and I became a business partner of a small uh, production company at a Soho called Glazen Creative at the time with my uh, former business partner, Alan Glazen. He's based out of Ohio and he's in New York as well. And so he brought me on. I was the youngest person, obviously. Uh, and we decided to create a series of um, a docu series on different ethnic groups in New York City. And it was picked up by PBS and WNET. And so I did that for a bunch of years. Um, and I just wanted to dedicate my time to helping uh, the general public learn about and uh, like learn how to appreciate and value um, diversity and to dissolve like a lot of the negative stereotypes yeah. that yeah. exist in the world. So I was so excited about that work um, as a writer because I did see how for Latinos and, and in general, like, you know, people of color and minorities, there were, and I feel not as much now, even though it's still an issue, but there were very limited roles um, that were either, you know, starring roles or roles of substance. And that was one of the things that when Cynthia would send me information about a lot of the auditions, I saw that most of them were very stereotypical. And her and I had a lot of conversations about that. And she completely understood and was on my side. And she's like, well, until unless you get older and you start writing them or doing something, she's like, this is what's coming, you know, this is what comes down the pipeline. Um, and so a lot of them I would say no to anyway, because I always felt that I wanted to take on roles that either were dear to my heart or whose like stories I, I truly believed in. And most most of all, that were things that my son at the time could look back on you know, when he was grown up and feel proud. Yeah. You might have. So I, yeah. So I wouldn't take a lot of those like stereotypical things because I was like, Oh, how would I explain this to my son when he's up there or my family? I'm like, no, no. You might've yeah. said this and I might've missed it. Uh, the docu-series that you did for PBS, is that something that's already out or something that came out or, or you're, is coming out? Yeah, no, that came out in uh, the early two, uh, 2000s. Okay. It was called the, um, the, American spirit. And then so we did um, Dominican American spirit, New Yorkans in New York, we did Desi South Asians in New York, we did the other islands of New York. So it was like a whole series and, and they were very well received. Um, and I think that they spurred 
they spurred a lot of the work and opened doors for some of the programming that yeah. has Start, come out. Started some conversations for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's cool. You know, um, so That's I've awesome. had my production. And then after that, I, I opened up my own production company called G2M Productions. Uh, first, it was G2M LLC. Then it was G2M Productions, Inc. And so I've had it now since uh, for 20 years. And um, but I've 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 done some things over the years, but then I went back to school and got two masters, and I've just been kind of picking and choosing where and what and and helped write uh, programming and commercials and and have done a lot of trainings for diversity with different companies like Accenture over the last ten years. Done a lot of their copy work yeah. and just creating stuff to help educate the world yeah i mean that's awesome i'm glad i'm glad to find out that you're doing something that you really enjoy doing and you're doing something that you feel is making a difference like everywhere that's 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 the big thing right that's that's what you want that's my goal in life yeah but i i i've missed acting so much for a while i did um i i would do voiceovers or little you know info commercials or different things try to work that around the schedule just to like never lose that flame It, it just got harder and harder yep. um, a few years ago. Then I became, um, I got a ma- I, I got a master's in special education. Um, and then I went back and got another master's um, from city Co- the City College of New York in educational urban leadership. And then I became an assistant principal, so a school administrator. Um, and I've kind of just been juggling that for the last um, five years or so. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, that's an incredible, you know, we, when we found you, all we had to kind of go on was your IMDB page. And I feel like your IMDB page is a drop <laughs> in the bucket of like the amazing career that you've had over the last 30 years. And it's, it's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Travis. Yeah. Barbara, um, I mean, thank you so much for spending the time with us today is really, I mean, it's great. A lot. It's awesome going back, finding these shows, watching them 30 years later, but then actually getting to talk to people and find out that there's so much more to them than there was that we know about from that show. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's, um, I think recently I saw on television that they were, they were showing like a special or something about the movie of Selena, for Uh example, right. When we go back talking about so many years and with JLo being on the news so much lately, it reminded me that when I moved to Florida to finish school, my BA the first time around, I actually was called for and auditioned for the role of Selena. Oh, wow. And it was funny because I heard that it be, it came down to like um, these other two actresses from New York. And at the time I was from Florida. So they said, oh, and this person from Florida, they didn't know that I was originally from New York. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my mom over the years, she's always been like, oh, that could have been you. That could and I'm like, no, mom, no, mom. You know, back then and until recently, I never had the, you know, the, the J-Lo butt. So she was perfect for the Selena you know, role. She did an amazing job, like let her, you know, that was her thing. She's done great. And then, um, so the, and then, with what with uh, in the Heights coming out mm-hmm. most recently on TV, um, where I had my office, my first office, no, well, my second office in Manhattan in Washington Heights. I used to be down at Crosby Street, and I intentionally moved it up to the Heights because I said, you know, I want whatever work and whatever's coming out 
to come out from the neighborhood where I'm from. Yeah. And Washington Heights used to have like a, a not good reputation for some time. And there was so much more going on there than what people knew, um, good things. And so I came uptown and I happened to know uh, Lynn Manuel's dad. So we shared office spaces for, a, uh, well, not shared it. We were next to each other. And so then when I left that area, that building, I gave him the office. And then I heard all about this in the Heights in the Heights. And they're like, are you going to audition? Are you going to audition? And I was like, uh, no, not this time around. Not this time. I was in the middle of some documentaries that I was working on. And I was like, no, you know, let's leave it for all the, up, you know, up and coming younger artists. And then when I saw it on its premiere night, it was so funny. There's, there are some scenes, especially with the young, the, the young lady, the beautiful girl, um, who it looks like we could be sisters. Yeah. Um, and she, there's a scene where she comes home from college and she's walking through down the block and they're showing like her neighborhood and her. And I was like, Hey, whoever filmed that scene saw the scene that I did in Battleland <laughs> because it's the same exact concept. And, but it was, and it was beautiful in, in my indie movie, in the indie movie I was in, and it was beautiful in, in, in the Heights. And I was like, Hey, so I can see in some weird, wonderful kind of way that the work that I've done throughout, you know, my life, um, that it's been watched by different people and I can see how it's continued to kind of make a difference. And that's that awesome. makes, you know, my heart pretty happy all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, awesome. Barbara, we'll let the kids get back to the video games so you can uh, hand your computer back over. <laughs> Should we, before we let you go though, should we do a virtual tips? Oh All yeah, of, of course. Tip the, tip the, okay. tip one of these numbers. Ready? What one, two, tips. Three tips. So good. <laughs> tips. Thank you, Barbara. Thanks guys. Have a good one. Thank you. All right. Again, Barbara, thanks for coming on. We really do appreciate that. It was so great. It's so, like I said, at the beginning of the show, it's so amazing to hear these careers that really you can't find just online because these people have done so much that has it just doesn't get the attention that it deserves. So I, I really appreciate the time and it was awesome to have you on Barbara. Yep. Thank you. All right. So now, since that's done uh, now, next week, yeah. so next week, um, we've got another cool thing coming up. So next week we're going to watch episode two of hi, honey, I'm home. Okay. Uh, and then we've got another interview. Uh, we sat down with Christine Ebersol, who was the, the title character, Miss Jones on the, on the show that we watched, uh, yeah, last just a couple week, episodes ago. Yeah. So she joins us for, for an interview. We'll have that next week with the new episode of High on EM Home. Um, and it's great. I'm really excited for everyone to hear that. You're going to watch the uh, Nickelodeon version or the TGIF version? Of what? High on EM Home. It's the same thing. Which one are you, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me, Steve? I'm going to watch the one that we have. We only have one. I'm watching it. I'm watching whatever, the one that we have. Okay, fair enough. I try, I'm assuming, I don't even know. I'm assuming based <laughs> on the commercials, it might be the Nickelodeon version because I felt like there were more toy commercials. Well, so doesn't matter. What am I talking about? It doesn't matter. And the version we have doesn't have commercials anyways. The Nickelodeon, the, <laughs> the, the pilot version that aired on Nickelodeon is the one that had the commercials. Yeah. The actual versions that we have don't even have commercials in them. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's the TGIF version. Well, yeah, sure. Uh, sure. All right. Is that it? That's it for next week's? I think that yeah, that's definitely it. So our our interview with uh with Christine Ebersol and then episode, episode two, two of Hi Honey I'm Home. And we'll find out if and Lloyd is uh jobless still. And maybe he's living with yeah, Mal- maybe he's living with Malcolm in the bushes. 
Yeah, maybe. I um, I'll tell you the. I I forgot to mention this. I wanted to say I he was a bit intense for me. Like I get that he's a fifties man father, but like he seemed like pretty harsh. And I don't know. I, I hope he softens. I mean, that, up a that's the bit. point. That's the whole point of it. Yeah, I know. I know. I hope he softens up a little bit though. So we'll, we'll see. see. I'm, gonna, Anyways, I'm gonna guess it's gonna be at least a few episodes. Lee does. Oh sure, 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 sure. They're they're gonna ease into it. It might even be the whole first season. But all right, well that's all I got. You got anything else, Steve? No, that's it. All right, man. Have a good week. You got it, dude. It's Friday night and the mood is right. Gonna have some fun. So you always son. DGIF. TBA podcast.